Hey everyone, thanks for joining me today. I want to start off with a couple of stories that have happened within the last two years. The first one is the story about the pastor of a church. And he states that he was taking his morning prayer walk. So this is a time of day when he would walk and pray and just speak to God. He said that he would usually walk in the same area around a park close by where his church is located. So on this particular day, as he's going on his prayer walk, he sees a woman running, you know, like jogging, and she's running towards him. Okay, no big deal. People are out there jogging in the morning and so on. So he he doesn't really think too much of it, except for as she got closer to him, because when it started out, she was approximately about one block away. So as she got closer, he started getting this feeling like a, a dreadful feeling. But he continued praying and walking until she got so close to him that they made eye contact and he said he could feel an overwhelming sense of evil coming from this woman. And as she passed him by, she looked at him, you know, they made eye contact and she made this sound like a growl, a growling noise. So anyways, before all of this, before she passed right next to him, he began to rebuke this enemy. He began to rebuke the evil that was emanating from this individual. And I believe that's why she growled at him as she passed him by. Whatever this thing was, whether it was a real person, an entity, or a person who was just consumed by evil, I don't know. But this man states that he has never had an experience like that before in his entire life. He said it was somewhat of a paranormal experience, but of a evil nature. He said he could feel the evil. Okay, the other story is kind of like along the same line. This man, he's he's not a pastor, but he's very involved in the ministry and he is what's known as a man of God. He is a prayer warrior and he says that he was saved like 40 years ago. He is a very, he's a true man of God. So he doesn't uh, like do anything to alter himself at all. You know, he doesn't drink and he doesn't do this and that. But he said that um, a couple of mornings ago, it was early in the morning, 
He doesn't sleep a lot because he does a lot of research. He's always researching things and uh, he communicates with people who they do a lot of work for the ministry. So he communicates with people all around the world for what he does, as well as he's involved in precious metals. So he said a couple of mornings ago, it was early in the morning, very early, like maybe about 3 a.m., he said he woke up to a feeling of a presence in his room. And he opened his eyes and he says he could see there was an actual humanoid looking entity in his room standing by the side of his bed just looking at him. The thing was not moving. It was just standing there watching him. So he's not easily scared because of his faith. He has so much faith that these type of things don't scare him. So he said he closed his eyes and he rebuked this entity and then continued praying and the thing went away. He said the thing went away, but he could still feel the presence of something that was in his room. He went on to say that this isn't the first time that he's had an encounter with an entity. And he said the other thing about it is that he could feel. He can feel when it's evil and when it isn't. And this thing that he felt a couple of mornings ago was evil. And that's another reason why the thing disappeared and went away as soon as he rebuked it in Jesus' name. Because anything good, anything from God is not going to disappear at at that name of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something else. And this is not because I am holier than thou or any type of thing like that. As a matter of fact, I'm probably what you would call a bad Catholic because I haven't been to Mass in so many years or confession or anything like that. But I have had encounters myself. And one time, I had an encounter where I could not move. And it's like my hands were were weighted down. I could not move. And, you know, um, Catholics, when we are confronted with certain things, we make the sign of the cross. That's the first thing that we do, as a matter of fact. Well, I couldn't do that. I was unable to move. A long time ago, one of my friends, her mother was very devout Catholic. And she had many experiences of like... um the night hag and certain other experiences with things like attacking her because that's what happens sometimes to people who are very devout in Christianity or Catholicism, whatever it may be. So she told me one day, she said, if you are ever in a situation where you cannot move your hands, you cannot make the sign of the cross, she said, you can Move your fingers in a position that makes the sign of the cross. And she showed me how to do it. And I remember, and she told me this ages ago. I mean, when I was probably about 11 years old. So when this 
happened to me when I was confronted by this entity. And it's happened actually to me a, a few times where I couldn't move. I, and I couldn't speak. You can't speak either. It's like you're totally frozen just about. But I remembered what she told me. In my mind, I was screaming. And in what I did was my hand was, both of them were like pinned to my side. And this thing was like pressing on top of me. And I could actually feel its breath breathing like on the side of my face. This was a very intense encounter, guys. And um, I would not wish this on anyone at all. And if it hadn't have happened to me, I might be thinking, I don't know if that was true or if someone was maybe just uh, dreaming this. No, this was no dream. This actually happened. So this thing is pressing down on me. I can feel the warm breath on the side of my face and I can't move and I can't speak. So I got my fingers and I made them into that position that this woman had told me so many years ago. And then in my mind, I started praying and I started calling for Jesus and the thing I could feel the weight lifting off of me. And it wasn't just lifting off of me in a certain spot. It's like the thing was being removed off of me. And it happened that fast. So things like this, things of an evil nature, of a wicked nature, of a demonic nature, are going to leave at that name. Okay, so this this man, I, I uh, both of these actually, you know, it's not every day when you hear these type of encounters coming from a uh, a minister, a pastor, or people like this. So these type of things are actually accelerating these type of encounters. I mean, yes, they're just people like we are also. It's not, I remember when um, one of the priests at the parish that I used to belong to would tell us, we are people too. We are not Jesus Christ Jr. We are just men. And that is what I think of, you know, when I think of people like this. Yes, they're just men and they are not immune from having encounters. But it's not every day when you hear people in these positions coming out and saying and talking about these types of things happening to them. Just like when they talk, they talk about having encounters with UFOs and certain things like that. It just lends a little bit of credibility, in my eyes anyways. But it, it seems to me, it just lends a little bit of credibility to people talking about UFOs and things like this. Well, that's, you know, that's just my feeling about it. Okay, anyways, um, the next story. Okay, this next story 
has something, it's actually going to have something to do with the story that's going to come after this. Because when I was a kid, there were these people that lived down the street. And when the parents were at work, they would have ditching parties. They would have people, you know, they they wouldn't go to school. They would go there to that house and they would have ditching parties. So they would be there drinking and the the people who lived in this house were girls, okay? The one girl lived in that house and then like her best friend would go over and they would invite like all these guys to go over and they would drink and who knows what else that they would do. You know, they were like teenagers and stuff like that. And I remember I would see them. I would see guys coming in and out of that house and it happened like quite often. I want to say it happened like at least, shoot, it seemed to me it happened every week. But anyways, one one day, there was a big thing out there. And I think the, because um, at the time, there were still truant officers. There were still these uh, cops that worked at the school. And those cops, the truant officers were at that house. And there were a bunch of people out there. And then the regular cops came and the paramedics came, you know, it was a big old deal. It seemed to me like there were a hundred people out in that front yard, like, like a friggin' big parade of people. So, you know, I was a kid. I really didn't know what had happened. I just figured they all, oh, okay. You know, they got caught. Well, come to find out, I saw the girl that lived in that house walking down the street not too long later. And she had scratches on her face and her arms. And she had the remainder of of what looked like a black eye. And I remember this clearly. I remember what this girl looked like. I remember, I know her name, but I don't want to say her name because I just, uh, you know, out of just being... Me, I just don't want to say her name. So there was another girl who lived across the street from us, but not on the corner. She was like pretty much right across the street. And I, because I've always been nosy, okay? And I remember hearing the story about what had happened at that house and I mean, I wasn't there, but this is the story. And I heard it. I heard that girl across the street talking. And then after I heard other people, because my some of my friends, they had teenage brothers and sisters. And this story was like, I guess, uh, even though there was no internet or anything back in the day, right? But these days we would say this story went viral around the neighborhood and around probably the school they went to. I don't know if they were in junior high or high school. But the story was that these 
people were at that house partying like they did, and some guy that no one knew, or a couple of them, went like they crashed the party. And they started whipping around like turning in a circle and they had long fingernails and started scratching everybody up. They tried to run out of the house, but the doors closed and locked. So they were locked in the house. Somebody went out a window and ran to a neighbor's house to call the police. Somehow, the school police became involved and showed up there. Now, this is in a day before texting, before cell phones, before anything. So how that happened, I don't know. But anyways, they did end up at the house, the truant officers from the school. And when these kids came out of the house, when they opened up the doors and all these kids started coming out, they told this story. All of them were crying, shaking, and had all been traumatized. Now, the person or however many of them that there were who crashed the party supposedly disappeared. Now, that's the story. The kids who were participating at the party don't know who these people were. Now, you can say, oh, they probably knew, but they didn't want to say, well, a lot of people in certain cultures uh, won't say anything. A lot of people in certain like uh, activities, like a lot of people in gangs and stuff like that, they're not going to tell the cops because they're going to take care of it themselves. These guys, these people who lived in that house were not gang people. And if if you knew the type of people that I'm talking about, you'd be like, oh yeah, those are not gang people at all. No. When they said they don't know who these people were, I mean, I look at it now. Because I was a kid then. I'm growing up now. I look at it now and I believe they really didn't know. And they were screaming. These these kids, they couldn't have been any older than I probably 16. They were probably 15 and 16 years old. And they were screaming, even the guys who were there were screaming and crying and carrying on. Not only were they physically attacked, but they saw something that they could not explain. They saw something that scarred them forever. I'm pretty sure that anyone who was there at that party back then still remembers what happened like it was yesterday. Because I wasn't even there. I'm going to say I was probably eight years old. And I remember 
like it was yesterday. I remember everything. So these people were scarred for life by this incident. I mean, I'm sure that now as you get older, okay, this happened to you. And especially now, because these things are more out in the open. So you're not, if you talk about it, you're not labeled like you would have been before. Oh yeah, this this thing came in and had long nails and started just turning in a circle and slashing everyone. And that's why everybody was all cut up. It wasn't just the girls, okay? Everybody was scratched up. And probably a little bit more because when I saw her walking down the street, she still had some scratches on her face and on her arms. I saw them. And she still had, it looked like a little bit of a black eye. So they were probably battered around too. What were these things that went in there and did that? I could take a guess, but I can't say for sure. Whatever it was, though, it was not good. And the other thing about this is that I would have been very afraid to continue living in that place afterwards. My my only, you know, if I was going to take a guess, because now I'm older and, and I know a lot more, if I was going to take a guess of what could have happened to cause this to bring these things, I would have to say that someone in that group, maybe who was there that day, maybe who had been there before, but someone was engaged in some sort of occultic activity. That would be my only, I mean, that's the only place that I am really able to go with this. That person didn't even have to be there that day. That person could have been there one time. But that is my own belief. I really, I wish that uh, I could find anyone or even a, a newspaper article about it. But I don't remember what year it was. I can only guess. I don't, I only remember the girl's name. I don't, and I don't remember her last name at all. So I'm going to, you know, it's, it's something I'm going to try to look and see, but I don't remember her, her last name, even though I can still picture her face, but okay. Now that story. So I brought that one up because now I heard something that is very similar to this. Last year, during the, you know, when there was nowhere to go, when, you know, during the whole lock, lockdown, clamp down, I like to call it, there were these two guys who, well, they, you know, they're grown men. They had nothing to do, like we can't work, nowhere to go, what are we going to do? So, you know, they're sitting in the garage and every 
couple of nights, okay, a couple of times a week, they'd be out in the garage and they're drinking and, you know, just getting drunk, hanging out. So at this time, there were a lot of people. I don't know if you guys noticed this or not last year in 2020 during the height of the pandemic, but there were a lot of people who all of a sudden started going on walks. There were people all over the place walking their dogs. There were families going for walks. There were families going for bike rides and so on. So there were actually more people on the street than there are usually. I mean, I've never seen the amount of people walking around and bike riding as I did last year during the clampdown. So anyways, these two guys, okay, they're out there in the evening and they're drinking and just, you know, getting drunk. So this particular evening, they see some man walking by. They've seen him a couple of times on evenings where they've been hanging out out there and getting drunk. So they start, you know, they strike up a conversation with this guy. And this guy's just walking by himself, just like going for a stroll. So I say, hey, you know, you want a beer? Okay. He's like, yeah, okay. They don't know his name. They don't know where he lives. All they know is that they've seen him before walking. So he goes and he's hanging out with them and they're drinking. And the one guy says, you know, I knew I was drunk. And I knew that my friend was drunk. But the guy who they invited to drink with them was not drunk, even though he was drinking. And then he says, the guy that they invited, I'm going to call him Rob, okay? So he says, Rob starts looking like out of the corners of his eyes, like he's holding his face still, facing like nothing. And when he's looking at them, he's looking at them just by shifting his eyes. His demeanor just starts to change. And he says, I know I was drunk because I was slurring my words and I could hear myself slurring. And so was his friend. He said, but Rob remained like sober. And by this time, Rob had had quite a few beers. All of a sudden, he says, I had to write this down, guys. Okay, Rob stood up. Okay, Rob stood up and started attacking them. He started scratching he says he started scratching the shit out of them all of a sudden okay he has long claw like fingernails and started scratching them up just like waving his arms around and scratching them and beating the hell out of these two guys in there, in the garage. All of a sudden, there was a dog there also. The dog 
didn't bark, but the dog was biting them. Until finally, Rob ran away, but he kind of like half ran and half flew off. Now, we've heard similar stories to this about entities flying off. What was this? What was this entity? Walking on by. Because this thing knew that these two guys were in the garage, not hurting anyone, not, not bothering anyone, hanging out, getting drunk a couple times a week, listening to music, just chilling, okay? And so this thing took full advantage of these people who were in a vulnerable state, who were in an altered state. And, I mean, you know, you can drink all you like and you usually don't see things when you're drinking. You know, you usually don't hallucinate when you're drunk. Most of the time, what it'll do is it will, it will open you up to certain uh, frequencies, certain, to, to like let certain things happen because you are almost defenseless. Your mental state, your physical state, both of those defenses are down. And I know it's been said that you can become so, I mean, this is probably when, if someone is close to having alcohol poisoning, that you can actually become possessed at a certain point. And I, I don't know if that's true or not. But I think it's a real possibility. So what this thing was, I believe, this thing was an opportunist. It was evil. I don't believe it was a real person. I think it was an evil entity. And uh, it uh, took the opportunity to attack these two guys. And... The okay now, this did not stop these two guys from hanging out because the one, the owner, you know, the the guy who is the homeowner, he said, you know, while we were the reason why we drank more that night for some reason is because. We invited this guy in when we were already, you know, pretty much buzzed. And so we felt like, well, you know, we invited this guy. And so now we got to drink more because he says we usually don't drink that much. You know, he said we usually will have like some drinks and we're buzzed and we listen to music and we just talk. But for some reason, he said, you know, we invited this guy and then we ended up drinking more than ever than than we usually do. 
well, that's his, that's the way he sees the story. But I think that this actually happened because that was part of the, like, attack. That was part of the whole thing. They were already buzzed, so their defenses were down. So they were easily manipulated to do these type of things. That's why, you know, sometimes you're drinking and you go over that limit that you put on yourself. And then you're much easier to for anyone to talk into doing certain things or you just acting foolish or whatever. Things that you usually wouldn't do. And I believe that that's what happened. And this entity took full advantage of these two. And I I don't believe that they'll ever see this person again, not in the way they saw him on that evening. He wouldn't be in that same, I'm, I'm going to call it a costume. He wouldn't be in that same costume. He'd be in a totally different looking costume. He might even be a woman. Because uh, these things can... Shapeshift. The dog. Where did that dog come from? Yeah. Think about that one, guys. You have got to really be careful who you invite in. And that's the other thing. This this thing couldn't have come into the garage without being invited. And that's why that dog was able to come in also. Because... This thing was invited in. They could have went out and talked like out on the porch. They could have went out on the driveway. But the fact that he was invited into the garage made it a whole different thing. So these two stories are similar. Because in the one, no one knew who this person guy or who these guys were who crashed the party and then attacked the teenagers. But someone had to have been involved in activity. And that's why these things were allowed in. There has to be an invitation. Just like the the two guys. But they are um, similar, similar stories as far as being attacked. I don't know if the teenagers were drunk. I don't even know if they were drinking there at all. It's just something that I figured they were probably doing. As a ditching party, they were probably drinking, even though they were probably teenagers. I don't know how they got alcohol. Maybe they were getting into their parents or the, the girl's parents' alcohol. I don't know. Maybe they weren't drinking at all. That would have made it even scarier. Something like that to happen to you when you're sober. Whew, think about it. But um, those, see, those kind of stories to me are creepy. And this is why. Because it just, I mean, if, if just picture yourself. It's a summertime. Maybe you're going to sit on your porch and have a couple of drinks. Maybe it's a. Memorial weekend, and you're going to be in your garage playing darts and having a couple of drinks. Maybe you're going to have a barbecue and invite a few people 
and somebody brings a, f- a friend that you don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to scare anyone, but I'm just saying all of these things are possibilities because you don't know what people have done in their lives. That, that friend that brings a guest, what has that guest done? I'm going to tell you some stories that have happened to me personally with uh, friends bringing a guest that you don't know. I have experience with this. And I'll bring, I'll talk about that later. Maybe I'll talk about that a little bit on Friday. But I just wanted to present these two stories to you. And then, okay, how can you maybe prevent something like this from happening? Some uh, unknown guest coming and being able to do certain things like this? Well, it's as easy as salt. That's how easy it is. All you have to do, and I do this from time to time. Not so much anymore because we don't have parties like we used to. We used to have parties. And so I learned afterwards. And and I did know some people who just seemed to... um, Well, they were emotional vampires is what they were. And so I learned how to deal with things like that. And all you got to do is lay some salt down. Lay a line of salt at your entryways, your door, your front door, your across your garage, across your threshold, any threshold, any like even where your gate opens to go in your backyard. You can lay it like on your windowsills. You could, I I never did that, guys. I used to put it only on the across the the threshold, like the the bottom of the doors. That's all you have to do. Some people use oil. Some people will anoint with oil. I've never done that. I just lay a line of salt down. And it doesn't have to be any particular type of salt. I like to use the um, pink Himalayan, but you can use any type of salt. You can get that thing and just lay, lay it down. Make sure it doesn't get into your garden because it can kill your garden because it's a, salt is a purifier. It's a cleanser. Because you don't want it to come in in the first place. You don't want to have to have somebody come over to your house and do an extraction and you don't want to have to experience things. So we, I like to do uh, prevention better than anything else. I mean, if you already got something, you've already got something. There are plenty of people who can come and clear things for you. But prevention is the best way. And also things getting to so intense, like what happened to the people that I just told you about, we want to really, really prevent anything like that from happening. Because these things could actually have been worse. So, oh, and how did, I don't know about the the teenagers now, 
I don't know how they were able to get out. I don't know how they were able to get rid of this thing that was happening. But the two guys, the one guy said that the way he got this to stop is he called out to Jesus. And that made that Rob thing go away. All right, that's all I've got for right now. Hope you guys enjoy these stories. I'm going to come back on Friday and we'll get into a little bit more, okay? Thanks a lot, guys, for joining me. I really, really do appreciate it. Have a great day. Ciao.